It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Welcome and this is Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a fantastic show. I will introduce my guest momentarily, and I promise this is going to be so informative. It'll be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two first to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. When I was in the hospital a few years ago with a life-threatening illness, I had a lot of opportunities to think of the things that could make my life better and keep me in gratitude. So here they are. Number one, treasure your family and friends. No matter what your current relationships are with your family and friends, there's always time to mend those if you need to, because you never know when they could be taken away from you. The great blessing is that you have an opportunity to love, appreciate, and treasure those around you. And I believe I have a greater capacity to give than I did before. So this often happens when you emerge victorious from a very terrible situation. You really learn to appreciate your friends and family. Number two, be aggressively thankful for everything. Don't just be thankful, be aggressively thankful. I have had multiple moments a day to reflect on the people and things that I am grateful for. And in my experience, you attract more wonderful things in your life when you are aggressively thankful for what you already have. You can't attract great things in your life when you are at a place of despair, sadness, and lack. These things can only appear in your life when you're operating from a space of love, gratitude, and happiness. And finally, take nothing for granted. As mentioned earlier, you never know when the things you have will no longer be available to you. Those things could be friends and family. It could be your career. It could be your health. And I just want you to treasure each moment to be fully present as often as possible. Every time you get to talk or hang out with someone you love, it's X minus one opportunities that you will ever have to experience again. And we don't know what that X stands for until we are at the end. So do those three things, and I promise you will be in a much better place in your life. And if you have not gotten my book called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, you can find that on Amazon. Volumes one and volume two are available, and please pick those up. Those books are based on interviews that I've done from this very radio show over the last several years. And so much wisdom is contained in both of those volumes. I had so much fun putting it together, and I promise you'll be blessed if you pick those up. Once again, that is Conversations with High Achievers, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. So my very special guest this week is Daniel Abke. Let me tell you about him. He is a serial entrepreneur, e-commerce marketing professional, real estate and land investor, educator, and podcast host. He's passionate about helping others scale business and create financial freedom. Having had over 10 businesses throughout his career, he experienced a variety of business models that just didn't give him the freedom he's looking for. Now he's teaching others how they can build their own roadmap to success that fits within the schedule and lifestyle they desire. He's been featured in a variety of podcasts and publications, including On the Market, The Real Estate Investing Club, Entrepreneurs on Fire, which I love, JLD is fantastic, Yahoo Finance, Wall Street Journal, and so many more. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel. So here we are with my very special guest today, Daniel Apke. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing great, Brian. Excited to be here, and thanks for having me. Hey, you're so very welcome. So the very que first question I love asking is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are today? I think I actually did. I, From an early stage, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I had that drive, and I had that vision. The fact is, I didn't know how I was going to get there. 
But I, I always had a serious drive to get where I am. And I kind of visioned myself being not in the exact spot, obviously, but somewhere similar. Yeah. Did that come from your family? Were you modeling your family or did you have role models in your entrepreneurial journey early on? A little bit of both. So I grew up under an entrepreneur. My dad owned a carpet and still operates a carpet cleaning business in Cincinnati. So from a young age, I saw the freedom that entrepreneurship could possess, but I also saw the difficulty and challenges and I, I loved the game of entrepreneurship. So I always knew from a young age, just seeing him and seeing him work and through the ups and downs, I saw it all. And mm -hmm. I think that was a blessing in disguise at the time. I didn't look at it like that, but looking back, it definitely introduced me to the, to the game. Absolutely. So what did your path look like prior to your current career? You said your dad owns a carpet cleaning business. I'm sure you worked in that. What happened after that? Yeah, I worked in that growing up from a really young age, doing water restorations, a lot of labor, manual labor, things like that. And after that, I, I always played sports growing up. That was a big part of my life. I'm, I'm one of three brothers, so we were always very competitive, played a lot of sports. And then, you know, after high school, I ended up, I, I was very, very bad at school. Let's just say that. So I, I didn't get good grades. I was not good in the classroom. I had bad ADD. I couldn't stay focused. I didn't care to really stay focused. So I didn't get into many colleges. What I did instead, an alternative, I went abroad and I took a gap year and I lived in Jerusalem and then Tel Aviv for a year. And over there, I experienced a lot of entrepreneurship there. Tel Aviv has a lot of different startups and things like that. So I got to work with some startups, see that entrepreneurship side of things. And then I did come back and I, cause I got college credits while I was over there and I came back and I ended up going to college here with my transfer credits, graduated got the nine to five job as a sales outside salesperson, did that for four years while kind of building up these income streams on the side. That's absolutely fantastic. What a wonderful way to spend the early part of your life learning entrepreneurship in another country. I bet you, your eyes opened wide during that trip, didn't it? Oh yeah. Big time. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Now, what do you feel is your big mission right now? Right now, see, I, having that nine to five so recently and, and having that financial stress, my mission right now is just to help others obtain the freedom that they're looking for through entrepreneurship primarily. That's my mission because I know that there are so many people that are getting into entrepreneurship or they've been in it and they feel stuck, but there's a way out. So my mission is to help create freedom for others right now. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your rock bottom or defining moment. We all have that valley where we think, okay, I'm no longer putting up with this. What was that moment for you? Yeah, yeah, the, my rock bottom, I can remember it clearly. I just, I, I wasn't as healthy as I'd normally be. I was going downhill, I was gaining weight. I was working my corporate job, going from customer to customer, driving a thousand miles a week. Um, and not that that's bad, it just wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my health. I wasn't in the gym as much as I want. I had low energy levels, just was not happy and satisfied in life in general. And it just hit a point where, I was driving and listening to different podcasts, looking for a way out. And eventually it just clicked. And I, I just figured I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm making the change and I'm getting after it. I love that. I was reading, oh gosh, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. Chapter one of that book is Make a Decision. And I read that when I was 28. And after I read that chapter, I made the decision to join a gym for the first time. Very powerful stuff. So wow. You, you make a decision and then when you follow through with it, your life can absolutely change. I love that so much. So what is the best action that you wish you would have taken that you didn't do? I wish I wish I got into entrepreneurship a lot earlier, to be honest with you. I 
fell in the trap that a lot of people fall in. And I'm not necessarily, it's not always a trap, but I fell in that nine to five grunt for a long, long time and just didn't have, I didn't get into entrepreneurship earlier. And I feel like if I just would have started earlier, cause every single year since, since I started my businesses, I just learned so much more about business, so much more about market, so much more, I gained more and more and more skills that provide me more income. And every year since I've been in entrepreneurship, my income's been rising with my skills and everything else. So I think starting earlier would have, I, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I, mm-hmm. I certainly could tell you that I'm sure it would be more advanced. Absolutely. What do you think is the most expensive mistake you have ever made? It can be financial. It doesn't have to be. It can be something you should have started sooner. It can be something you hung on to for way too long. But what is the most expensive mistake you think you have ever made? I got, like you said in the intro, I had over 12 businesses and I spread out really, really fast because I had early success in some business. And I was like, wow, I can do this over and over again. So I ended up creating business after business and putting my operations in place. And it stretched me thin and it cost me a lot of money and it cost me a lot of failed businesses and ad spend and everything else that comes with running a business. So it was a good lesson I took from it, I think. But overall, it was very, very expensive. It was financially, it was energetic. It was my energy as well as everything that comes with running a business being stretched too thin. If you were starting over right now, what would you do? I would go down a similar path with online business like I did because my first business ever did really well. It was an e-commerce. I had an electric bike company and that was really good. And I would just stick with that one business for longer. And I, cause I think I did sell that business. I exited to a investor out in California, but if I would, instead of opening business after business, if I would have hyper-focused on that for longer, I, I would have exponentially grown it instead of going from one thing to the next. So I would have stuck with one business for longer. I, I love that you said you sold that business. My guest last week is an expert in mergers and acquisitions, and we talked for a while about how people will just end their business without realizing they have a valuable asset that they can get a return on. I'm really glad that you had the wisdom to sell your business and you recognize that you had something to sell. So that's really great. What is the highest value skill that anyone can develop? I think the ability to sell to people, um, whether that's online selling without your, you know, without facing the customer directly. Uh, but if you have a product or service or anything you offer, getting people in and catering to their funnel, right? So whether it's bringing them in, you know, through ads into your website and then getting their emails and then taking them down a funnel, or if it's just getting their phone numbers and calling them. I, I, it's called top of funnel. I think developing a really, really strong top of funnel, getting qualified leads in and catering to those leads, whether it's cold calling them, all that good stuff, um, or just emails and, uh, retargeting and things like that. But that's what drives top of funnel, which drives your revenue, which drives your bottom line. Absolutely. We got less than two minutes to our first break. What do you think it takes to be successful in business? Just uh, you, you know, you can grind your, it doesn't take, you don't need to be a genius. I'm sure you all have heard that a million times. You just need to be able to get through the challenging parts and stay consistent. And and that's really all it takes. It's anyone can, especially in real estate, which is my background, anyone can learn real estate and anyone can grind their way to be successful in real estate. I think it just comes down to the grit and, and drive. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is your superpower? What do you think you do better than anyone else? My vision. I I never know how it's going to come true, but I I always have a good set on where I want to go. And that's, that's definitely my superpower is my, my vision. And then coming up with a process and system around that vision to get me to where I want to go, which is my vision. Absolutely. We've got less than a minute to our first break. My very special guest this week, this week is Daniel Abke. We're going to talk about buying land because that is one of the things that he's so, so passionate about. We'll talk about buying vacant land and flipping it. 
we'll talk about why it's a great investment. We'll talk about how you find great deals. How do you identify a great investment opportunity? Why buying vacant land is different from buying developed land? How do you how do you do due diligence? What does that even look like? What does financing look like? How do you close deals like this quickly? We have a lot to unwrap and unravel. And if you've never ever thought about buying land, it's not something that a lot of people are talking about. So that's an advantage that I think, Daniel, you have is that you are in a niche that not a lot of people are talking about. And we'll come back and explore all of that when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's merging Did you know that besides home and work, Americans spend more time at the mall than anywhere else? There are 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone. The Mall of America, located between Minneapolis and St. Paul, is the largest in the world with more than 500 stores. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Studies have shown that women will buy more if they hear their heels clicking on the floor. So designers often use hard flooring in hallways. Of course, the stores want customers to spend all their coopity coop. That's another word for money. Oh, I gotta run. There's only one more shopping day until tomorrow. My husband said if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm gonna miss that man. It's Marching Day I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. We are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Daniel Abke, and we are going to talk about buying and flipping vacant land. If you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. We are getting a lot of iTunes downloads lately, and I am so happy and grateful for that. Please do that. Subscribe to the show. Even leave a five-star review if you think it's worth it, and I really, really hope that you do believe so, but that really helps. And also, by the way, you can ask Siri, Alexa, your your device, play Success Profiles Radio, and you will hear the most recent episode automatically, and after today, that will be this one. So if you want to hear it back, you sure can. Daniel, let's talk about buying land. Why is buying vacant land a great investment? Well, there's there's multiple reasons, but the number one reason is what we do. We attack off market properties, um, so that's just properties that aren't listed on the MLS or to the public. And we do that because there are so many landowners 
surprisingly, that don't want their land for whatever reasons. They've had it. They inherited it. They live in New York. The land's in Iowa. Whatever their situation is, there are so many. There's 8.5 the amount of supply of land than there is with land with structures on it. So just structured for houses, things like that. So there's such a high supply and there's a lot of people that own it that are willing to sell and they're not married to the land. They don't live on the land. So there's a lot of wiggle room to get very, very under market price land. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. And would you say, well, it would stand to reason that vacant land is a lot less expensive than land that has a house or a farm on it, right? Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. And a lot fewer government regulations. That's what we always aim for is the fewer restrictions, the better people in America do not like someone telling them what they can and cannot do. So the less restrictions, generally the better. Yeah. Do you find that it's easier to buy land than it is to buy a house or a commercial office building? Yeah. Simplicity in land. I mean, you're, you don't have a structure, you don't have inspections, you don't have contractors, you don't have maintenance on the land. We're talking raw land. I mean, you can clear land, you can do all that stuff, but at the end of the day, land is land and you can let it overgrow and you're still going to get a lot of the same appreciation benefits and a lot of the good land benefits that we get without doing any maintenance. I mean, someone can go in at any time and clear it. It's not like you have a building that's falling down or anything on the property. Yeah. So you talked about finding off market land. Uh, off-market deals that aren't listed on MLS, LoopNet, or wherever. So how do you find great deals? We use a software called DataTree, and essentially DataTree is a, a third-party software that has all of the county records across the United States. It's 156 million property records. And then you just input filters, essentially, you know, property without a house on it, property without structure, improvement value. You put a set criteria of filters and then it spits out what you want. So essentially we just put in that we want vacant land and in Hamilton County, Ohio, all the vacant parcels and this zip code, whatever it is, and then it will spit out all the records of all landowners and then that's how we'll contact them. Do you typically contact them on the phone or do you email or send postcards? What is your favorite way of doing that? I send mail. We send a lot of mail. That's been by far the most successful for us. We also do text messaging as well. You got to be careful with text because one, you get such a high response rate. It's hard to manage. 20% of the people you send a text to will respond, which is a lot to manage if you're sending thousands of, uh, of text out. But mm -hmm. two, there are a lot of times unqualified and regulations and things are changing constantly. So you just got to be careful with texting. But mail, mail has primarily been our bread and butter. I love that. So how do you identify a great land investment opportunity? What are your criteria for that? So we do it. We use a shotgun approach. Essentially, we'll send out anything from two acres that has nothing on it all the way up to sometimes, you know, 500 acres. And most your parcels in a county are going to be between two acres and 10 acres. And then, you know, it starts to get less and less as you get higher, higher acreages. So if you if you pull 2000 records, let's say, you know, a thousand of them, might be just from two to 10 acres. And then 500 of them might be from 10 to 20. And then it, it gets less and less uh, supply as you get bigger. But what we do a really, really big shotgun approach. We don't even look at the land before we sell, send the mail. We just pick the criteria and the acreage we want and send out a mass quantity. So what size of a lot do you typically like to work with? Are you into the smaller lots? Are you into the bigger lots? Does it matter? It doesn't really matter. Um, I don't like anything smaller than two acres because then even even three to four, you can get a little risky when you got perk test because you don't have county sewage or anything. So you got to be careful with your perk test, which is essentially allows you to have a septic tank on the properties. And the smaller the acreage, the more risky it gets with that. But I anything from I love five acre properties. They're some of the most desirable because of their price point. 
But what we'll do a lot of times, we'll buy bigger properties now, 50 acres, and then we subdivide them into 10 five-acre plots or something like that. And it's a very, it's called a minor subdivision. All you pretty much do is buy the lot, contact a surveyor, and obviously there's a little more that goes into it than this, but you buy the lot, contact a surveyor, they'll split it up on paper for you, file the paperwork with the county, and then all of a sudden you take your return and keep upping it because you're, it's like it's like going to Costco and buying a thousand hot dogs versus mm-hmm. buying one hot dog at the local ball game. You can yeah. sell off five acres a lot more than price per acre than you can with, you know, 50 acres. And, you know, I'm really glad you said that because the first time I had ever heard of a concept like this, I was in my late 20s. I was reading The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, and he talked about somebody, you know, he used a story about somebody who bought a big lot and then subdivided them into 10 lots and sold the 10. And he pitched it as, you know, build your dream home out outside of town and i thought it was a brilliant pitch but i thought you could do that that's amazing and so you so you do deals like that right we do a lot of them we're trying to do more and more of them because they're very you know they're, there's a lot of profit and they're pretty lucrative when you do get come across them the challenging part is obviously it, it adds a little bit to the operations and things like that but the return mm-hmm. on the back end because all of a sudden we, we're buying when we're just buying and selling a property or buying and holding We'll buy it for 40 to 50% of what it's worth typically with cash. Um, and we have financing options I can talk about if you ever want to get into the financing side of it because we're not using our own cash with it. But yeah. that's our proposition. We buy under market value for 40 to 50% because we're offering cash in a quick close essentially. And with that, we'll flip it or hold it or do different things with it. That's our typical business model. But now all of a sudden, instead of buying at 40 to 50%, flipping it and doing things like that, we can offer 70, 80, 90, 100, even 100% of market value. And then subdivide it, and we're still going to get a 300% return because of that concept that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine if you do seller financing, the return is even higher than that, right? Absolutely. Seller financing is a way to uh, get even more interest, like you're saying, but it also opens up to a lot of buyers that could traditionally not buy it because land loans aren't the same as house loans. There are qualified people who can't get a land loan. Uh, just on vacant land. So that, that changes. So you'll open your buyer list up, you know, 60% just from offering seller financing as well. So I imagine you keep a pretty active buyer list so that whenever something new comes up, you just shout out that deal to everybody on your buyer's list. We do, but at the same time, we, we actually buy it in our own name and then we'll relist it on the market more times than not. And mm-hmm. we do that. So we're going to the mass market on the MLS on Zillow, realtor.com, all those sites when we resell these properties and mm-hmm. we we a lot of times use local realtors too on the it's mm-hmm. called the disposition side that's just anything after we buy it how we dispose it essentially get rid of it sell it um so we'll use realtors a lot on that time on that side and we'll mm-hmm. also put it up ourselves on the mls and market it on different you know even facebook marketplace believe it or not yeah. that's one of the most successful places we've sold land on oh wow do you find it makes a huge difference if that plot of land is near a highway or if it's in the middle of nowhere yes absolutely you middle of nowhere it sometimes does surprise me because supply and demand doesn't always correlate to the population density or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you you do want the more accessible it is to highways, schools, um, just other developments, things going on where people want to be. That usually correlates to to how quick you're going to sell it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about this already, but how is buying vacant land different than buying developed land? I mean, what what are the things that you like the most about that? Yeah, really good question. So I I do buy structures as well. I have rental properties in Cincinnati. I have a salon I own. I have apartments. I have single family homes, things like that. So I do invest in that, but that's more for my long-term 
wealth play. It's not necessarily getting me rich now or getting me cash flow now. It does a little bit, but that's not what I quit my nine to five on. And that's the biggest thing for me is the land for me was a way to get out of my nine to five. It produced a lot of cash flow that I wasn't seeing in traditional real estate. And it's not that you can't get them. It was just more of an uphill battle, I'd say. When I found land, the cash flow opportunity was really, really heavy, which means I was just able to make more monthly money than I was from my the other real estate things without as much of a challenge, I'd say. So I always say land's a really, really high business model um, mm -hmm. opportunity just because of, like we said earlier, the supply and the desirability for people to want to sell their land under market value. But in general, like it's when I'm dealing with houses, I'm dealing with a couple of flips right now with houses and just, mm -hmm. I'm just renovating it, but I'm, I got to mm -hmm. contact my contractors. Even I've, I've management companies all on my rentals as well. I'm yeah. constantly talking to them and getting approvals and it's just a lot more uh, sophisticated, I'd say. And it's a lot more on your operations. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate that. Now, flipping land versus developing land are two completely different sides of the coin. Have you ever developed land and decided that's not what you want to do? Or did you always know, I don't want to do that? I'm not completely developing land. You still have a lot of money. If you can get the land at a good price, you have a lot of, uh, there's obviously a lot of money in building and developing what we, what I am starting to get into isn't completely developing the land, but it's getting it ready for a builder to come in. So it's putting mm -hmm. the sewage in, putting the curbs in the streets, the things like that, subdividing it up to where a big builder, local builder will come in and buy all 300 lots that I made from that 50 acres right there and buy them from me to develop, to, to actually put their structures on it. That you need engineers. It's about a six to 12 month process, depending on the area, but you need engineers for the drainage and you need to put all the septic and all that stuff and prepare it for the builder so that they just come in and take it over from, from there essentially. That makes the deal a lot more attractive to a builder for sure. So we've got a couple minutes to our, our next break. What does due diligence look like for you when you do these deals on land? So we're buying them fast. So we want to get them, we want to put them in title as soon as possible and close them as soon as possible. That's kind of our value proposition that I was talking about. We try to do due diligence in 48 hours. We're calling the county, looking at restrictions. That's a big part of it. We get drone pictures on all of them to see. We analyze it from satellites. We'll get realtors there a lot of times. But a lot of the, some of the main things we're looking at is water features. Is it in a wetland? Uh, is it in a flood zone? Does it have sewage? Does it have public water? How's the slope? All of those type of things is, is what we're looking at. We just take it through a checklist. It's pretty simple. We call the county. We spend a lot of time on the phone with the county. And that's that's primarily it. I love that. That I mean, you've got your process down. You've been doing this for quite a while then, too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a process we've worked on, and we're continuing to modify it as, it, as issues come up, unfortunately. Absolutely. We've got about a minute to our break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We are talking to Daniel Lapke. We are talking about investing in land and, and flipping it mostly, but he does sometimes develop it too, or at least get it ready for someone else to develop, which is also a, a great proposition for a builder. Uh, we are going to talk about financing deals uh, next. We're going to talk about how someone can get started if they haven't done it before, how lucrative this can be. And then we will talk about selling land. If you are the one that has the land, what does this process look like? Because Daniel has bought land and he's sold land and maybe you're sitting on some land that you've been dying to do something with. We'll come right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Daniel Apke. We are talking about buying and flipping land. If you have not subscribed to Ultimate Achievers Magazine, the latest issue came out today, and it features Alaric Heck, and he was on my show just a few weeks ago. And so the feature article is about how you can get started marketing your business using paid YouTube ads. It was a brilliant, brilliant interview. If you've not subscribed, go to ultimateachieversmagazine.com and choose your subscription option. It's a dollar for the first seven days. And whatever option you pick from there is what you get. And you have access to the entire library of Ultimate Achievers Magazine. This was issue number 66. We've got special editions. If you were to read one issue a week, it would take you longer than a year to finish everything on that site. So go ahead and check it out. Subscribe today. That'd be awesome. So Daniel, let's talk about financing these types of deals. How does that look different from buying developed land? We're talking about lower price points. So does that change your financing options? It does. So a lot of times what we do for our financing when buying when buying these lots, we use a third-party funder in the land space. They're all over the place. It's, we call it land or deal funding is traditionally what it's been used as. Um, that's because loans in general on land have been fairly difficult, especially with high interest. And it's not like a house where you're going to live at. It's a, it's a higher risk profile to a bank. So loans can be generally difficult with it. Um, but how we finance it, how we got started, we used for a lot of friends and family, and then we did some sort of profit split on the back end. Uh, and we used a lot of other people in the land investing community who saw a lot of success land investing, and now they actually fund the deals themselves, which I actually do now a lot of deal funding for other land investors or people uh, wanting to buy and sell land. We do a lot of that now, but that was kind of the cycle for us. Fantastic. So you talk about how you want to close these deals pretty quickly. Is 30 days typically your window? Yeah, the, the our average is about 17 days or so. Wow. So you talked about doing due diligence pretty quickly. What are some of the other things that factor into being able to close so quickly? 
price because uh, we have a stipulation on our offer that it, it it's pending physical and other inspections and that some of that is going to just make sure and double you know cross our t and dot our i's that the price is okay to where it makes sense on both parties because we don't want to buy anything we're going to be in the hole or have negative equity or anything like that so price is a big thing even though we sent them a letter to buy their land uh, price is a big thing we'll check before closing just to confirm everything's good because we that's where you you make money based on the price right based on you buying into equity so we put right. much of our focus there other things are like slope can be a deal breaker wetlands some properties will show they're not in a wetlands but you actually go walk it's like a marsh um we bought a landfill one time by accident that oh. was literally an oh it was a 1980 landfill they didn't disclose it and we got into a whole epa battle so there's a bunch of things that will come up but primarily the main things are like water slope and the price wow i would think that that would be a big no-no not disclosing everything was there any legal battle over that they ended up um so I bought two parcels. They're both 10 acres in Georgia. One mm -hmm. of them was a landfill and they said the other one was too. They ended up clearing the other one and saying it wasn't a landfill. So I was able to sell. You can build and put, a, you know, because the whole thing was if you're building on a landfill, that's fine because mm -hmm. you couldn't tell it was a landfill physically or anything, mm -hmm. but it's when you sink a well into it and you start having your drinking water go under the trash is what the issue Ooh. was. Yeah. So they ended up finding the map and we got into the map of where the actual landfill was and we ended up getting approval from them to sell it with uh, ability for a well and all that stuff. Fantastic. So how does someone get started doing this if they've never done it before? First step with any real estate investing is really identifying a market. And I like to identify land markets outside, you know, one or two counties removed from outside metro areas. So if you're in Atlanta, maybe you're, you want to do that Atlanta market, let's just say Macon County, um, there's a few other kind of Fayette County and all these other counties surrounding one or two removed from Atlanta. I say it's six, 60 to 90 minutes away. Cause that means it's going to be fairly desirable. And it's, you start kicking out in the outskirts of Atlanta as well. And that's how I like to start is analyzing a market first to attack. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is so brilliant because if you are in the Metro area, it changes your pricing structure dramatically and that defeats the purpose of doing this. So how lucrative can this be? I mean, you can you can make a lot of money doing this. And like I said, I was in a lot of different business. for e-commerce. I'd be, you know, uh, for one of my e-commerce stores, my electric bike, I was happy with, you know, five, six thousand dollars profit a month when I first started things like that. And I was working really hard for it. But it was a successful e-commerce store. You come to land and we're making on average twenty five thousand dollars of profit per deal. Mm -hmm. So you just got to do the math. If you do one deal a month, you'll make well well into the six figures so you got to figure out how to make one deal a month essentially which was not a hard battle for me to overcome i could figure out how to do one deal a month um so you know people are into six figures i don't want to make this sound too good to be true or anything like that because it is hard work and that's what it is at the end of the day but people come in and within six six eight months you can make good six figures with it if you're if you're dedicated committed and have that grit that i was talking about earlier yeah, for sure. So let's flip this on the other side of the coin. Let's say you're the one that has land to sell. How do you find qualified buyers for that? So you got to make a decision. Do you want to use a realtor or do you want to sell it yourself? Um, that's If you're using a realtor, they'll do most, most of the legwork for you on that. You want to, um, you want to, when you're using a land realtor, it's a little different than houses. You want to get expectations laid out there. So figure out when they're going to list it. Um, what are they going to list it on? There's a source called land.com that every realtor should be listing on. Uh, and you want to make sure they're doing their job. They went to the property, they analyzed it. Cause a lot of them would just try to get you under contract and then it would take them two months to actually list the property. We run into that a lot. So you want to qualify a realtor. If you're selling them yourself, um, 
few ways. It depends the price point. The first place I'll always the first place I'll always look look at Zillow sold comps in your area for the last six twelve months. And if you're rural, there might not be many comps, but see what you can come up with. See what the sold comps are. Don't look at for sale. Look at the sold comps primarily, and see you're going to need to get a price in mind before listing yours. And once you analyze that, you can go to a what we call a flat rate broker site, or you can just try to list it on you know, Facebook marketplace and land.com. Like I discussed, that would get you a lot of eyes on the property in general. Wow. That's fantastic. So how do you properly value your deal? I know a lot of things probably go into that. Yeah. That's the hardest part of the business. Cause you will go into rural America. Like I said, let's just say Macon County, Georgia, like we said before, mm-hmm. and there might only be five comps within 30 miles of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes, it's, it gets really tricky. And one comp might be 20 acres. You might have a five acre property. There might not be any five acre, but you have some one and two and three acre property comps and 10 acres. So you want to analyze what's around it. What What's two acres selling for? And then what's 10 acres selling for? And if you have five acre comps, great, but you want to try to balance it between the comps that you have. Um, I always say the more similar comp, the more similar you can get the comp to your property, which is location, size, road frontage, you know, if there's attributes on it, the better. So you want to find a property. It's okay to just have one or two comps in land if they're mm-hmm. good comps. So you just need yeah. to find one property near yours. That's a similar size, similar property and see what that sold for. And that's a really good place to start. That's great. And we talked a little bit ago about realtor versus selling it yourself. So how do you find a good real estate agent for these types of deals? Obviously, you want to find someone who's done this before, but what kind of, what kinds of questions should you be asking that person to qualify them? First, I'll look on a company or on a site like Landwatch, which is a land.com uh, network company. And Landwatch, you can see all the realtors that are listing properties on there. So if you go to landwatch.com, you can look at all the different realtors listing the properties. That's where I'd start. I'd click those realtors, get their contacts, put it in Excel, and get 10 of them. I'd call all 10 of them. Most won't answer your call. I'd say maybe on a good day, four might call you back. So leave a voicemail, tell them what you want. And then that's your first weaning process. So you might get half of them to call you back. Uh, you'll be surprised. That's that's always shocked me how they don't want that business, but it, it is true. So you'll qualify them from that. And then some of the questions you want to ask them are, you know, when are you going to, going to be able to get to the property? Because that shows commitment. That shows they're dedicated to selling it. They're going to get pictures for you, all that. Mm-hmm. Ask them what they listed on. Cause you don't want them just throwing it up on the MLS. You want it on land.com typically. Right. Um, and you want it on some other sources as well. So see how they're going to list it, make sure they're getting pictures, make sure they're going to the pro- physically going to the property. Cause a lot will try to sell it or yeah, sell it without ever going there. And you just want things like that to really qualify and commit. And then the last question I always ask, but one of the most important, I say, Hey, can you dig up, do some research for me and come up with a price you think it's going to sell at? And then I kind of leave it there. And then if they get back with you that price, that's a good sign because they did their work. They want to work with you. They're, they're following through on what they say, things like that. Yeah. I would imagine some probably don't want to do deals like that because they're not usually multi-million dollar, you know, properties, but the, on the flip side, you can close really fast. Why wouldn't someone want to to chase a few of the smaller deals while they're trying to land some of the bigger deals in exactly. their full time? Yeah. And that that's one thing they also do. They You will see some 10% commissions and they, they'll raise their commission and stuff for land, especially in these rural counties. And that's why selling yourself can be sometimes the best option if you can get the droner and get the pictures is because sometimes you can't find a realtor, a good realtor within an hour. And then it gets tricky because most of the realtors don't want to drive from Atlanta to Macon County because- 
the price point, things like that. So it does get challenging. And that's part of our, that's part of the reason why we're offering cash to these sellers to close quick. And that's why they're going with us a lot of the times. Fantastic. So we talked a little bit about subdividing and the value in doing that. How do you do that? You need to arrange for sewage. I suppose you would have to check to see if there are any government regulations or county restrictions or anything like that. But how do you go about doing subdivisions? Yeah, I like I, my favorite is minor subdivisions, with, which means we're not going to do any major enhancements to the property, like like put sewage or streets or anything like that really in it. Minor subdivision, we'll take a, a 50 acre property and cut it up into 10 five acre properties. And what we'll do, the first thing you need to do is check with the county, make sure you're allowed to do that. And it's it's allowed in that property because then you can go through the entitlement process and then it becomes a six, 12 month process in general. But a lot of counties, when we're talking rural America, there aren't many restrictions with subdividing. So the first step is getting the land and and kind of planning out the planning out the subdivide. And we like I said, we like to chop it up into bigger acreages to keep it simple. And that's what uh, it's just it's it's a quicker turnaround essentially than a major subdivide, like taking that 50 acres and making 300 parcels. So what what we do then is just get a surveyor out there, plan it out, show that to the county. Sometimes you'll need approval. Sometimes they don't care. And then essentially you file it with the county and that 50 acres will become whatever that surveyor wrote up. Wow. That's fantastic. We've got less than two minutes to our final break. So how can deals like this fall apart? The, the key is doing really, really good due diligence up front so they don't. But deals will typically fall out before you buy them from a seller talking to a friend or a seller uh, getting emotional about it and they change their mind and don't want to sell. That's typically the way. And it's it's good that they fall out before before you actually buy it and or you find any issues and due diligence before you buy it because then it makes it easier to sell. And I always like to analyze land like it's like we're going to be pro buying the property. Like what what would I think about this property if I'm buying it? If it's half wet, I'm going to think I don't really want this property because half of it's wet. And you really got to put yourself in the shoes of what the end buyer wants and you can't get emotionally attached to the property. Yeah, for sure. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We're talking with Daniel Epkin. We are talking about buying and flipping vacant land. And we've talked about so many good things. You definitely need to listen back to this and take a ton of notes if this is a topic that you want to explore. After the break, we will talk about some of Daniel's favorite deals. We'll talk about some of the biggest mistakes do people make when trying to buy land. And he offers a course. If you'd like to learn more in depth from him and his team, we'll talk about all of this when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will return on the other side. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. 
It's easy, and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Daniel Apke. We are talking about buying and flipping land. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. Leave a five-star review if you think we're worth it. And I can't wait to have you hear all of the 500-plus episodes that we've done. I, 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 if you have that kind of time, I would really appreciate it. But pick the episodes that resonate with you the most. I write pretty good descriptions about what the topics are. I'm sure you'll find a handful of them that I've done, even in the last three months, that you'd like to go back and listen to. So, Daniel, we've talked about how to buy and flip land. Let's hear about a couple of your favorite deals of all time. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite deal right now is actually – it's going on right now. It's a, It's a – subdivide play in Missouri. I think it was 70 acres and we're just chopping it up into 10 seven acre lots. And the reason I like this deal so much is because it's right outside um, St. Louis and it's it's in a desirable area. But the, the way the land's laid out, I don't need to put any roads or anything into land because it has like 2,500 of road frontage. So it's super long and on the road. So I'm just chopping it up kind of like pizzas on straight on the road, just chopping it straight down. I don't need to put in any infrastructure and the numbers are really, really solid. We bought it for $135,000, closed it in two weeks and all in all, we're going to get over $500,000 back in return just from doing this minor subdivision play. But there was no approvals that needed to happen. All we needed was a survey and some pictures and get it up. That is absolutely fantastic. How about another one? Uh, Second one would be I like to say this, this definitely isn't my favorite, but I like to say it shows the profitability in the, in the land space, that landfill one, it almost went as South as it could go. Right. And we got such a good price on it. I think we bought, it was 20 acres. We bought it for around $25,000 and we had it listed for, I think it was 90 and we got it under contract the first week and then they figured out it was a landfill. That's how we figured out the deal fell through. We ended up dropping the price in half. But that being said, we still sold the property for over $40,000. I think it was 45. And it just shows the profit margins in the space. Like there's so much room for error. When the worst case scenario happened, we were still able to net some money, which is 
it's, it wasn't my favorite time during it, but it, it also was a really, really good reminder of the profitability in the space. And it, it kept me able to put my, keep my foot on the gas. Absolutely. What are some of the biggest mistakes that new people make when trying to buy land? Overanalyzing properties and becoming emotionally tied to it, tied to it. So a lot of people just like to blow smoke and you'll learn when you're talking to sellers, you'll learn quickly who's actually serious and who's not by just qualifying them. But at first you can blow so much time on just analyzing one property when the seller isn't, you can spend days and days on it. So that's why we like the shotgun approach better because we get so many leads out. We can qualify them very, very well and talk to the ones who want to talk to us and actually mean it. But you can spend way too much time on one deal before getting under contract. That's number one. You want to get under contract with them to buy it before you spend days and days on it typically for this business model. And the second one is getting emotionally attached to the land. It's you know, especially at first when you haven't done a deal yet, you want that first deal, you're fighting for it. You get really emotionally attached and then you start realizing, you start overlooking some of the due diligence or some of the other pieces. And that's a big, big mistake you can make. And that's one of the ways people can lose money in this space. Yeah, for sure. So you offer a course on how to do all of this, don't you? I do. Land investing online. Yep. Tell us about it. I started it primarily to the land investing space is so small and I saw what it did for me going back to my mission. You asked me at the beginning, creating freedom for other people. Yep. I got out of my nine to five job through land investing. Essentially, I made a lot of my money through land investing. And after having those, you know, 12 plus businesses that I had, I realized that was the business model that provided me the most upside in terms of just, uh, I wasn't fighting an uphill battle like I was with a lot of the up with a lot of the other business models. So I got to that and I wanted to really share it with people and teach people how to do it. So Land Investing Online is a program that takes you through A to Z to become a successful land investor. Essentially, it's a it's a blueprint for how to do it. We share our screens. We send out the mail with you guys. We're doing all the mail merges, all the templates, everything. It's all A through Z complete, done with you. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's the program we offer right now to help people achieve that. Fantastic. Where can we find that? If you go to Land Investing Online, Dot com. That's the best place. But there is like I, the course is great and everything. But if you guys just want to learn more, we have a free discord community as well. You'll find on that website and you can network, chat, hop in our free calls, do all that and just learn more about the space. We'd love to have you paid or unpaid. It doesn't matter to us. Wow. That's absolutely fantastic. So do you do deals with your students? We do. And we fund a lot of them. So for every one deal I do at my company, Land. I fund about 10 others. So funding's, you know, 90% of my business now, essentially. And that's how we do deals with them. They bring us, they submit the deal. They don't have $50,000 to close on that property. And then we come up with a profit split out the back. We say, okay, we'll put up 100% of the money for this deal. In return, we're going to take 25% of the profit or whatever the deal is, or 40% of the profit. And that gives them an ability to where they spend all their time and money and focus on getting more deals. And they can scale instead of limiting if you have seven thousand dollars you don't want to limit yourself to a seven thousand dollar piece of land right this opens your network and you can leverage other inve other investors money in the space like myself or other people there's tons of them but that yes we we partner up a lot on on our members deals yeah fantastic and i know one-on-one -on -one consulting probably takes a lot of time do you do this we open it up occasionally um at this moment, we don't. We only open it up to members when we do, just because we like right. to take that person from two hundred fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar profit to the next level in their dream. Mm -hmm. So we like people to understand the business model before hopping in coaching with us. Awesome. So if someone is thinking about doing this, how much of a bankroll do you recommend they have before they start? 
mail is expensive. So if you're going to mail, you need three to $5,000. A, a cheaper alternative to start is texting. Like I said earlier, it's going to be more operational cost because, or more operational time and efficiencies because you're getting such a high response rate. You can, you can text and start with 500 to a thousand dollars, I think, to get all the County records and some different softwares you'll end up needing. I think 500 to a thousand. The other way, if you guys are really don't have that, uh, which is fine. I didn't at one point. So I completely understand is that cold calling. If you want to grind a deal out, you just need those property records and to get their phone numbers essentially. And you can cold call and try to get these properties under market value. And that's the cheapest way. It's also the least efficient, but that's how I would start. If I started all over again and didn't have the funds to mail, I would try to get my first deal by cold calling, get that under contract, use other, other investors money to buy it and then take that money and start sending mail and do other things like that. But cold calling is a way to get under. That's the thing. You just got to think, how do I get under, under market value land? That's, that's all you need to do. And you work backwards from there. Fantastic. Tell us about your podcast, the real estate investing podcast. It's primarily on land. We have a lot of great guests come on that podcast. Um, it's, it's the real estate investing podcast. It's me and my brother, who's also my co-founder as well of this company. And we try to have a guest on other land investors. You can hear other people's stories, not just hear me talk about it. And we like to provide as much value into the space. So you, you know, between our YouTube and between our podcast, you can learn a ton in this space for free. Yeah, absolutely. What has surprised you the most about your journey? Um, I think, you know, you, you always think there's an end destination, but then you get to a point and you're like, okay, what's next? And I think coming to a point where I've, I've built up a big enough business to where I'm financially happy, but it's almost like what's next. And mm -hmm. that's when I needed to dig deep and find that why that you talked about, like that mission. And mm -hmm. I didn't have that for a long time. It was all money, 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 which is great until you get to a certain point. That's not going to make you happy anymore. So mm -hmm. you have to dig deeper. And I think that was really surprising for me. I didn't, I didn't know that was coming. I was so focused on making money at the time. Mm -hmm. But then once you had it, I, I was in a kind of lost space. Yeah. And that's, that was surprising to me. It took me off guard. I read a book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, and mm -hmm. that was pretty changing for me. Yeah, absolutely. What top core values do you run your business by? The the biggest one's action-oriented and transparency. Being in real estate, you can get, uh, there's a lot of shady business out there, and we want to be as transparent in our business with our employees, with all, anyone we partner with with the business, with our members of Land Investing Online, uh, with every aspect, with the customers, the clients, we want to be as transparent as possible when we're buying and selling land and teaching people how to do it. That's a really big core value of ours. And then action oriented, we're closing these in seven, 17 days. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, you got to take action. You got to make decisions. You got to be quick and just get it done. That's, that's our core value. Absolutely. So as you operate through your business, not just with deals, but as you run through your business, how do you know what to say yes or no to? I think, are you meaning decisions in general or yep. on land? Uh, decisions in general. Decisions, well, we, if it's like a big decision on on managing or partnerships, I always come back to that mission. Is it going to help create freedom for more people? Number one. And number two, do, does it align with my core values? And that will give me probably 70% of the answer, I think, most of the time. From answering those two, you can usually decide yes or no. Sometimes there's a little bit more to it, but that's primarily what I go from. That's a great, great answer. I love that. Does it create freedom for more people? That that's great. I that, I love that. So let's let's talk a little bit about your favorite productivity tips because you get so much done in a day. How do you manage that? It's it's been a journey for that because I've been in places with you know I work remote. Um, I'm not in our corporate office. I live down in Florida or in Cincinnati, and it it can be hard. I like to structure. I I read the book Traction. 
mm-hmm. um, the EOS system and follow that in terms of the business structure and everything. And I really try to stay focused on my quarterly rocks and everything like that. And what's actually going to move the business forward. And that's where I need to spend 90% of my time. You can get caught up in all the day to day. So if you're new to land investing, let's just say you're brand new, you mm-hmm. need to spend 90% of your time getting the mail out, answering your lead calls, analyzing that deal. Anything else that's outside of that realm is, is just uh, excess. And I think understanding what is most important to get you to that financial goal or to get you out of that job or to get you where you want to go in the EOS system. That's, that's how I operate my time. And if it's outside that box, I try to minimize it as much as possible. Yeah. Do what moves your business forward. I love that. How important is gratitude to your journey? Very important. It's been, it's been really important for me in general. I had a hiccup two years ago where I had just a, you know, episode of mental health, um, just depression and got really, really down. And I had to find ways to, uh, that's when I came up with my mission, actually, to be honest. But I had to ha- find ways to stay grateful and uh, really enjoy the process. And, you know, business is a series of ups and downs, but you have to find a way if you want to keep going to enjoy the downs and, and just let it be a part of the process in general. Absolutely. As we wind down with a minute to go, the question I ask everyone at the end, who inspires and motivates you? My mentor, Joshi, he, he's the founder of Cured Nutrition. He's helped me a lot and he operates from such a, a good ethical business standpoint, I think in general, and he's really helped me to get me where I am today. Joshi, he's been a great, great mentor for me. Fantastic. And finally, how can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Instagram's great. If you guys have Instagram, it's at Daniel Apke. It's A-P-K-E, A-P-K-E. Mm-hmm. Apke is my last name. So if you go there, that's where I'm posting. I'm, I'm engaging and I'm doing all those things with you. That's the best place to find me. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. It was great. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Have a great week. Listen back to this episode, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.